Wow. I thought it was my triple shot coffee that got me uh, revved up this morning. But I mean, with that many ordinations, this service is completely over revved, don't you think? <laughs> Sorry, dad joke, granddad joke, actually. <laughs> You know, I, I have uh, so longed to actually get to a service at Door of Hope because I've been involved with the team of the, ch- of the pastoral team and ministry leaders here for over a few years now. Um, and I've been in the centre a number of times, uh, but it's always been during the week. And so I've often said, oh, I really want to get to a service. When we get down there for a holiday sometime or whatever, I'll make sure I drop in and get to a service and then... This is my chance to meet you all. I pray for you guys. I'm excited about what God's doing in this place. I boast about you. I like to boast upon anything that God's doing, you know. Um, And and I I tell your story as it's unfolding. And I want you to know that um, you are a people called of God. And God is not finished yet. He's doing stuff. He's doing stuff. Amen out there? And I want you to be looking into, what is it, Lord? What's next, Lord? Because I I believe, I don't come here. I'm on that other place, you know, the mainland. And and I know and I sense the Spirit of God moving here. And so I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for you as a congregation, for your, your pressing in, your boldness to press into, Lord, here we are, send us. What would that look like? Let me tell you a story. This is, we're at the end of a, of a wonderful series. I wish I could have sat through all of the series with you and I get to kind of bring the, bring the last session. But I want to tell you a story um, just to set this up. Uh, in my role with our mission organisation, I, I get to travel quite a bit, which isn't as glamorous as it sounds. It's just sometimes there's a massively long commute to get to a meeting, Right? And so uh, when our kids were younger, and I'd often be away, I used to accumulate my miles, and Faye and I decided, we'll give, give each of the kids a trip with Dad. Um, we'll, we'll save it up, and that will be their bonus. And so on this particular occasion, I was in the um, east coast of the US for some meetings, and we'd cashed in all of our frequent flyer points, all of our credit card, everything, and we managed to get two tickets. It didn't cost us a cent for our two sons, who are 13 and 15, two tickets to the US. Only could get as far as the West Coast. And so uh, I'd booked then a, uh, a, a two-week rental car, and um, we couldn't afford accommodation, so they were bringing a three-man tent. And uh, I know it sounded like a good idea at the time. <laughs> and uh, three sleeping bags and a picnic set, so we had some plates. And we were just going to live out of the car for two weeks and tour all these different places on, on, the, in, on the US. Now, Faye put them on the flight from Melbourne, and I was going to meet them on their arrival in uh, LA. If you've ever travelled, LA is a complete zoo, all right? Um, so I'm in Orlando, my meetings are finished, and uh, I went into the airline lounge because it's one of the privileges I get when you spend so much time sitting on your backside in cramped spaces. And, uh, and I settled down. I was there in plenty of time. 
And so I thought, oh, at the end of this busy time, I'm just going to uh, decompress. And so I opened the Word, got a coffee, and started to have a quiet time. And uh, started to read, started to journal, got some great stuff. I started on a, on a thread. Sometimes you get a thread, and I'm going, and I'm writing, and I'm writing, and writing, and writing. And then I noticed, gee, it's kind of it's quiet in here. It's a bit empty. I thought, oh. I look at the, the flight board, last call, last call. What the heck? So I gathered my stuff up. I rushed down. I looked where was the gate. I rushed to that gate. I get there only to see, sorry, sir, flight's closed. It's pushed off and there's my plane getting dragged back. I said, you don't understand. I've got two boys arriving in LA. I've got to be on that flight. Sorry, sir, flight's closed. We can't call it back. (laughs) I'd allowed it being in a comfortable place And I'd allowed doing other really good things to distract me from my main mission. I wasn't in the lounge to have a quiet time, although that's a great thing to have. My purpose in being at the airport wasn't so I could have some time with God. It's so I could get a flight and meet my boys at the other end. Now, just so you don't take out, you know, charges against me, fast forward... I did manage to get the flights rerouted by begging, 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 begging. I got another flight for Denver, and then I got on Denver to LA, and I arrived uh, about 45 minutes, an hour after they got in. But thankfully, they were delayed coming through, and I managed to get there. And there were my boys at the arrival, international arrivals. And so all ended well. Okay, I'm not such a bad dad, but you know, here's the point. What was my problem? It wasn't that what I was doing was bad. It's that I was doing really good things, but I got distracted from my main mission. And it nearly ended in tears. As it is, we toured nine states, got lots of photos. They had a ball. I ended up with a bad back. (laughs) No mattresses. And uh, we have a great memory. Next slide. So as we think of this uh, series, what is it that we're summarising? We're summarising our sentness. And I want you to get a picture here that there is a, a handoff goes on in the Scriptures between Jesus' life, his mission and how he lived, what he did, how he walked in the power of the Spirit, how he honoured the Father through his mission Jesus' life when he ascended, didn't, his mission didn't stop. His mission was handed off to us. It says in um, John chapter 17 that uh, as Jesus is praying in the upper room, he's praying in the presence of his team and he says, Father, as you sent me into the world, just so I am sending them into the world. And after his resurrection, he meets them again in the upper room. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. You know, sentness is a main theme in the Gospel of John. Over 46 verses in the Gospel of John, Jesus, in his words, talks of his sentness. Let me give you just a couple of them. He talks about in John 3, 17, he says, God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God sent his son. John 4, 
is talking to his disciples after he's met the woman at the well. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his will. John chapter 6, verse 38. He says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 12, verse 49, he says, I did not speak my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment of what to say and how to say it. Sent, 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 sent. This is a, this is a constant theme of Jesus' life. It's a way he described his own life and mission. And then he's handing this off to us in his life. Now, in case we think, oh, yeah, the Great Commission. Sometimes um, people like me come along and we'll give a message and we'll start with the words, you know, on the last occasion Jesus saw his disciples, he gave them these words and we give the Great Commission. But I, that, partly that is true. But here's the other part. Jesus' whole life was giving the Great Commission. Let me run you through this. <clears throat> I'm going to go fast here through a, through a thing. I just want to make the point that the Great Commission was not a wonderful concluding statement as Jesus departed. The Great Commission was Jesus' life and he's constantly giving over that mission to us as his followers. Um, first, Next slide. This is in the sequence that they came. Again, Jesus said to them, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Where did this happen? So we drop into our chart. I'm going to, you don't need to get the detail. I just want to show you. Where did this happen? This happened in Jerusalem. It happened in the upper room. And when did it happen? It happened on the occasion of his um, appearance after his resurrection. Let's go Mark 16, verse 5. Mark 16, verse 5, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel of all creation. Well, where did this happen? Jerusalem. When? It's about eight days after his resurrection. It's a different occasion. To whom? The 11 apostles, the mandate... You can read the detail. Let's go to Matthew 28, the one we typically go for. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. When did this one happen? This happened maybe two or three weeks later. As Jesus was appearing. And it happened in Galilee, a different part of the country, on a mountain in Galilee. Luke 24. In Luke 24, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, This was written that the Messiah will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Again, where did this happen? Well, it was back in Jerusalem. See, you get the, you get the, the thrust here? 
This is not like a, hmm, parting words. Okay, how about this one? All authority is given to me, go make disciples. There's a winner. It's like Jesus' life is one of sentness. And he's handing this off. It's like a, he's run the lap and here's the baton. Go, guys, go. Run your lap. And let's come to this last one. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the remotest parts of the earth, ends of the earth. Where did this one take place? It took place on the Mount of Olives, just out of Jerusalem. It's just 40 days after his resurrection, just before his ascension. Our friends, our task is not to invent a mission. Our task is to embrace the clear commission that we have from Jesus, is to take that baton and to run, continuing the mission of Jesus. Sent by Jesus, sent like Jesus, sent with the presence of Jesus through his spirit. And there's a simplicity and a power in this. At the Great Commission, it's, it's personal. It's for us. Now, let me read and transition this to our application. If you've got your Bibles, turn open to Acts chapter 1. Let's go back to that last time he gave this command before he ascended. And I just love this scene. Just before he said, all authority is given to me, go and you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Just before he says that, they're asking him questions. So verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. So when they met together, the disciples were asking him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They've got all these theological questions, right? They're not silly questions. They're, they're real questions. They're questions on their mind. Is this the time? Is, are you going to do this now? When this? When that? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. He says, there's a whole bunch of stuff it's not for you to know. Have the questions, but you're not necessarily going to get them all answered. But, and then he gives this commission, but here is what you are to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. I don't know how you see that playing out, but it's kind of like, it's like, wow. It's like, more questions. It's like, wow. I was like, can you see him? I can't see him. He's gone. It's like, how did that happen? Where did he go? Where is heaven? What is heaven like? Uh, the metaphysical questions of, of what's, the, what's the resurrected body like? Uh, how does all this work? Will he come back? When will he come back? 
great questions. Discuss them over coffee. Get together with your friends that know Jesus. Dig the scriptures. Pursue the theological questions. Wonderful. But don't let the mystery of what you don't yet know distract you from what you do know. My friends, we don't know the answers to a lot of those questions, so research it, write a PhD, and you know, publish your book amongst all the others, and, and in heaven we'll sort it out, okay? In heaven we'll sort it out. In the meantime, I just love the practicalness of God. There's nobody tell me God doesn't have a sense of humour. Let's read on. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. And I imagine there's this fairly kind of long pause. They were looking intently up into heaven. And as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. (laughs) I love this. You can't read this without laughing. Hello. Men of Galilee. If you want a good theological question or a good missiological question, here's a great one. Why do you stand here looking up into the sky? It's like, why do you stand? But you don't understand. Look, Jesus, just a great questions, great questions that we don't have the answers to. Very simply, they allowed what they didn't know, the wonder of their pursuit, gazing into heaven, which is a good thing, right? Let's always be wondering and gazing into heaven. But don't let that distract us from getting going in the mission of Jesus. There'll be many things we don't know, but here's one thing you must know. From this day on, you know this. You are sent. You are sent as Jesus was sent. You are sent by Jesus, like Jesus, filled by the Spirit, and with Jesus, who is with you always to the end of the age, to what? To do what Jesus came to do. To love this broken world that will hate you for it at times, to reach out in its brokenness and to make disciples who can do the same thing. We are on mission from God, folks. And as you go, wonder, carry the questions, engage in the conversations. Hey, write your PhD. But don't get distracted from your primary mission. Well, let's move and think, okay, so how do we land this? What does this look like for us? Helping friends discover God. What can this look like where you are? I'm going to give you a little preview of some of the training that you can get in my friends. One or two short stories and we'll finish with a a short video. How are people connected today? How does our mission work out? Uh, Often we think that people are connected in the next slide. We think people are connected and we think in terms of here is our church, here's Door of Hope, and then there's people who are 
involved, and then there's people who aren't involved in church, the non-church people, and there's those who are kind of close to us, and then there's those who are far away from us, and we think kind of geographically. It's a pretty old way of thinking, actually, because uh, in our postmodern, our post-postmodern, it's more tribalism, and people don't, they don't do life geographically necessarily. In fact, the challenge is that they tend to do life more in social bubbles. Next slide. In other words, if you ask people, who are your people? Where's your place? They're not talking about the neighbor whose name I don't know next door or the person across the road. They're talking about their friends at the gym. They're talking about my, my mates at the footy or the, the, the ladies at the... the, the the birthing classes group, our kids are all grown up and we still meet for coffee um, or, or whatever. It's their social network. It's like a, a social bubble. And in that bubble are the people that are nearest and dearest to them, people we do life with. It might be family, it might be gym, might be cafe and whatever else. So this poses a challenge for us missionally because you can have a church in a space here and the people living across the road are as far away from you as someone on the other side of the planet. It's just in a different realm. But here's the opportunity. You see, in these different social bubbles, God's people, in, at least in our country and in this city, some countries this is not the case, okay, where there's the mission task of how do we get people in those bubbles. But in our country, you are all existing in some of those bubbles. Some of you, are, you know, you've got your gym buddies, you've got your footy team, you've got your netball club, you've got your, your whatever, whatever. So God's people are in these places. So next slide. What does this mean for us about a different approach to doing mission in this social reality? Well, that's a big question you are actually wrestling with as a church. It's wonderful to see how you're working this through. But here's one thing it means at least. The people that God has sent us to aren't defined by a letterbox drop walk around the church building. They are defined by the social bubbles around God's people. Let me say that again. The people God is sending you to are not defined by the world which is within a letterbox drop around the church's geographic location. The people God is sending you to and inviting you into with him are the people and the places where you do life. They're people you they start with, people you already know and people you will get to know. They are your friends. They will become your friends. So if we're to see your world through Jesus' eyes, where he says, I'll make you fishers of men, as I was sent, you are sent. What does it mean to be on mission with Jesus in your world? Here's a very simple concept, very, very practical, and it's, it's from some of our training, which we call My Friends Training, and that will be offered here in the church, I think, September, October. Really encourage you, if you want some practical Show me how to do this. Because sometimes we're standing there looking into the sky asking deep theological discussions because we just actually don't know 
practically, how do I get started? The training will help you do that. Very, very simple. Here's one simple tool we have in that training. And it's called, um, see the picture of the daisy? Think of it as a daisy. So you take a circle, a piece of paper, and you draw in the middle a circle, and you put your name in that. And then you put the petals on the daisy. And each petal represents one of those social bubbles that you do life in. It might be my family, might be my work, might be the gym group. It's, you know, who, who are the groups or the bubbles that, that you are connected with, where you know people and they know you? You do life with these people. And then you may have one of the petals that you leave blank because that might be somewhere, you know, I, I need to get engaged somewhere new so I can meet some more non-Christians and just start to love on some people because I'm a bit... Then on your different petals, you simply ask the question, okay, Lord, by your spirit, lead me. As I put names down, guide me. And you start to write the names of your friends and contacts in those circles who don't know Jesus. All right, so these aren't the people that you, you love to stand on the mountain and stare into heaven with. These are the people who are in the city who don't even know that Jesus just left and is coming back again one day. They don't know what he's done for them. People who don't know Jesus. But they do know you or you know them. And then you ask the Holy Spirit just to guide you to highlight a couple of names. Lord, who are you working in? Who would you have me initiate contact with? Now, there's nothing kind of, you know, uh, magic about this. God leads us as we ask to be led. And it's often after the fact we look back and think, wow, that was the Lord. And going forward, we don't always know. Let me give you an example. I was on a... Uh, uh, prayer retreat with a couple of, I know it sounds like I'm always on prayer retreats I'm actually not uh, but this one just happened to be one so okay and um, <clears throat> John comes in from next door John's a real talker older guy retired went to a re religious school so he sees me as the God guy and he likes to have conversations not really uh, got a knowledge of really how to follow Jesus he comes in, he's having a fairly long conversation. I'm standing at my door and I'm interrupted the thing, the, the conversation in our retreat team. And I sensed, ask John in. So I asked him in. We didn't sit because we'd never leave. So we, we stood. And he's talking about lots of things, you know, taking out the rubbish. And I, the, the prompting was, John's not here to talk about rubbish. So I said, John, how's, how's Judy? How's it going? Because she's unwell. demeanor changes, starts to kind of share his concerns. Cut a long story short, as he shared, I said, John, can I pray for you? Now, at that point, it's not like, you know, go all religious. We teach people how to have 15-second prayer. Show God's love, pray for their need. So eyes open, you said, Lord Jesus, I know you love John, you love Judy. They have a real need. Meet them in their need. Let them know it's you. Amen. And then uh, John, he said, um, as if he was in a business meeting, 
Can I say something? <laughs> sure. And he's like, uh, just want to say thank you. Uh, and he stumbles out of prayer like it's a motion at a business meeting. Now, this is not the end of the story. This is ongoing. But can you see how simple that is? What is God doing with the people in my world? How do I do that? Now, here's the vision. And then I'm going to finish. Next slide. Daisy chains. Don't think of it as just me. It's all centered around me. It's not around you. The diagram might have you in the middle. It's actually around Jesus. Because John has a daisy. And everyone in John's daisy has another daisy. What's the limit to how long you can make a daisy chain? How many daisies? Keep adding and extending those daisies. Teach them how to teach others also. Jesus is still using ordinary people who trust and obey him to do his extraordinary work. We are those ordinary people, empowered by an extraordinary God. And in my friend's training that's coming up, look out for it, get involved in it. If you get a chance, sign up for it. But I want to just uh, leave with this video. It's a story out of Panama City of a pretty broken young lady. You'll enjoy her story, how God uses ordinary people to do his extraordinary work.